Amen. Well, it's so good to be here this morning in the house of God. Everyone here looks about 10 pounds heavier. I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. <laughs> I have a word for you this morning. And I struggled with this word all week long. Because this word that I have, I had it stored in my journal two years ago. And I put it away. And something happened to me this week that hasn't happened before. Usually by Tuesday, no later than Thursday, the Lord puts in my heart what to preach. And all week long, I was on vacation with my family. We were resting. Everything was good. I spent my time in the morning with the Lord and everything. And all week long, not a word from God. Nothing. Saturday comes. I'm like, what am I going to preach? Lord, speak to me. And I'm driving back home and saying, Lord, I don't know what you're trying to tell me, but what do I preach? And in my heart, the Lord put in my spirit to go back to my journal that was written two years ago that I had to collect dust off and shake dust off. I opened it up to this exact sermon I'm going to preach to you today. And when I read through this sermon and studied it even more, it really convicted me. Can I preach this message? It's found in Acts chapter 27, verse 7. You guys are in for it today. I know during the holidays is a time that everyone gets busy with the holidays and church kind of takes the back seat, but the faithful, real believers, I believe, are here today. So that's, I mean, you're going to get a good word. <laughs> Acts 27, verse 7. And this is Paul. He said, we had several days of slow sailing. And after great difficulty, we finally neared. Now I want you to notice something. He said, with great difficulty, we finally neared Sidus. But the wind was against us. So we sailed across the Creates. And along the sheltered coast of the island, past the Cape of Salmon, we struggled along the coast. Again, he says, with great difficulty. And finally arrived at Fairhaven near the town of Lesia. We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was too late in the fall. And Paul spoke to the ship's officer about it. He said, men, I believe there is trouble ahead. And if we go on, shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner then to Paul. And since Fairhaven was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix. Farther up the coast of Creed and spend the winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a south wind and a north wind and exposure. And here's where the message gets interesting. 
When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought, notice church, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly. And the wind of typhoon strength called the northeastern burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind. So they gave up and let it run before the gale. Now I want you to notice something. Verse 13. They said, we can make it. They thought they could make it. But by verse 15, the Bible says that these same men that said we're going to make it gave up. This is where the Lord began to impress in my heart just two years ago. The sermon title, I thought I could make it. I thought I could make it. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. Those right now that feel hopeless, lost, confused, to those that are experiencing your silence. I pray that this word will bring us encouragement, wisdom, and strength. In Jesus' name, speak with us. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. As we go into this message entitled, I Thought I Could Make It. Let me give you a context of what's happening here. But Paul began to preach the gospel. This angered many Jews. Paul was accused of an insurrection. He was accused of trying to blaspheme the word of God by preaching the gospel. So many Jews had him beaten, stoned, and then arrested. But Paul, being a Roman citizen, could only be tried in Rome. So in this, in this passage, Paul is on a ship bound by chains as a prisoner headed to Rome. This is not some type of carnival cruise line or Norwegian. This is not a vacation to Rome. This is a terrible trial that Paul is going through. And God tells him, you're going to go to Rome. But don't worry. So Paul is in this ship. He's in chains. He's bound as a prisoner. But see, Paul, besides being a preacher, he's a seasoned traveler. He knows a lot about the sea. He knows a lot about travel. And as they began to sail, Paul noticed that they were struggling with the wind. Paul noticed that they were sailing with great difficulty. And Paul knew that trouble was coming. We believe that through the Spirit of God, God told him a hurricane was on the way. And Paul warns the sailors. And he says, gentlemen, I believe we're headed for trouble. I believe. And I'm warning you that this will not end well. 
We are at risk of losing the cargo. We are at risk of the ship going under. We are even at risk of losing our lives. And gentlemen, I'm suggesting we pull up to shore. We wait this out for a season and we go back out. But the Bible says that the men would not listen. And the Bible says that the men ignored the warnings of Paul. And worst of all, the Bible says they went on. And Paul was right. But here's what's interesting. The sailors, when Paul warned them and they were going through great difficulty, in verse 13, let's read this together, the Bible says, then when the light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. Say that with me. The sailors thought they could make it. That was wonderful. Let's just do it one more time. The sailors thought they could make it. Notice the sailors' attitude. It was an attitude of pride. It was an attitude of confidence. As they were going through this difficult wind, as a warning to God that this is a bad storm. But the people, maybe in their pride, maybe with their experience, or maybe with their strength, they said, we got this. We can make it. This is nothing. We can go through this. And they went on. But notice that the Bible says, they, so they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But when the weather changed abruptly and the wind of typhoon strength called the northeastern, caught the ship and blew it out to sea, notice, church, that this was unexpected to them. It happened abruptly. They were not ready for this. They couldn't turn the ship into the wind. So there came a point that they gave up. Notice the language here. There came a point that they gave up and let it run before them. And see, this is what I noticed as I was reading this. They went from an attitude of, I got this. We can make it. Because though the wind was light and difficult, something in them says, we can do this. And that's a part of what life looks like. Sometimes all of us would agree that life has its moments of difficulty, amen? Life has its moments of trouble and light winds, but there's a part of us in some seasons that we say to ourselves, I, I can handle this. I can make it. It's not easy. It's difficult. But I can make it. Then the Bible says that the wind suddenly changed abruptly. And the same people in verse 13 that says we can make it, we got this, just two verses later said we give up. We gave up. The Bible says they gave up in such a way that they just let go of everything and just gave themselves over to the storm. It got so bad that in verse 20, look at verse 20, the Bible says the terrible storm raged for many days, two weeks. 
blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope is gone. See, the stars and the sun were ways of navigation during those times. And when they couldn't see the sun and they couldn't see the stars for over two weeks, there was no direction. They were lost. They were confused. And I believe that when these men had was going through this storm, and when these men knew that they couldn't make it and there was no direction, something in them went from we can make it, we got this, to an attitude of hopelessness. An attitude that says stop trying. An attitude that says just give up and just wait for it to go under. And see, when I read this, I realized something. There are seasons in our lives that we go through difficulty, but we know we're going to make it. We know we're going to be okay. But then there are moments in our lives that change happens so abruptly that the difficulty becomes more than you can bear. And you feel a sense of hopelessness and loss and you have no direction that so many people have this attitude and said, you know what, I give up. I'm going to stop trying. I'm just going to let this ship go under. I'm just going to wait for the destruction. I'm not going to try anymore. I give up and I'm just going to wait for everything to go under. And these men, their attitude went from we can make it, we got this, to let's just give up. We're hopeless. And I wondered as I read this, what happened to these men, these sailors, that went from an attitude that we can make it, it's difficult, but we got this, we can do it, to an attitude of hopelessness and giving up. The Bible says it. Let's read verse 13, 14, and 15 again. The Bible says, when the light wind began blowing from the south, and the sailors thought they could make it. There's the first attitude. They said, we can make it. Everyone say that with me. We can make it. We got this. So they pulled up anchor with enthusiasm and strength. We got this. Let's go. It's hard. It's difficult. But men, we're men. We got this. And they sailed close to shore of Crete. But the weather changed. Abruptly, how many of you love change? It happened abruptly, quicker than they thought. And the wind of typhoon strength called the Northeastern caught the ship and started blowing it out to sea. And here's why they gave in. You guys ready? They couldn't turn the ship. They were going out to sea and they needed to stay on shore. But they couldn't turn the ship around. They were going off course. And they couldn't turn the ship around. I want to speak to someone here this morning. Because we all know we go through difficult times. We struggle. We go through trouble. There's a part of us sometimes that says it's not easy, but we, we can make it. 
It's not easy, but we can make it. It's not easy to pay this rent, but we can make it. This marriage isn't easy, but we can make it. Raising these kids is not easy, but we can make it. Running this church isn't easy, but we can make it. But I don't want to preach to those people today. I want to preach to the people who have given up hope because they can't turn their ship around. You know, when you can't turn things around, there's something in you that says it's over. When you can't turn things around, there's a point that says stop trying. Give up. Just let it run its course until it's over. And you'll be surprised how many people come to church and they feel like they can't turn, they can't turn things around in their life. See, today is not for those that are going through some light trouble, but know they can make it. Today I want to preach to someone here that feels like life has changed so abruptly and what they thought they can get through, they can't. And the trouble is so intense. And the danger is so real that they feel like they can't turn their life around. They feel like they have no direction. I want to preach to those who have a sense of wanting to just give up. Who say, why even bother? Why even try? There's no hope. There's no direction. Let's just give up and let nature take its course and let's just wait for the ship to go under. Because there are so many people that feel they can't turn their ship around. And maybe that ship is a relationship. Is that what I did there? And you can't turn this relationship around. You've gone through difficulties as a marriage. And you say, we got this. We can make it. But the winds have gotten so intense in your marriage that you say there's no turning this relationship around. And we're bound for divorce. And we're going to wreck. Maybe your relationship is with your children. And there's no turning them around. And they're making bad decisions after bad decisions. And you're watching their lives go under. And you're trying to save them. You're trying to help them. But they can't change. And they won't change. And don't want to change. And you can't turn them around. I'm talking to those who have family members. That they're in trouble with. And they can't turn their relationships around. I'm talking about the friendships that have hurt you. The friendships that have abandoned you. The friendships that have betrayed you. And it's a ship you can't turn around. You can't forgive them. I'm talking about those here this morning that are going through financial hardships. And you're having a tough time making rent. You're having a tough time paying, putting food on the table. And the more you try, the prices go higher. And I know our president says we have the best economy ever. I don't see it. But there are so many people going through financial hardships. And they feel like they can't turn it around. And at any moment now they give up. And we're just going to let them take the house. We're just going to wait for my job to get lost. We're not going to pay the rent anymore. We can't. We just give up. I want to preach to those that can't worship. 
Because they're so discouraged. They're so sad. They're broken because life is so difficult, but they can't turn their worship around. You can't sing like you used to. You can't praise God like you used to. Your mind is filled with negativity and worry and fear, and you have this relationship with God that you can't turn around. It affects your fellowship with others. You can't enjoy church. You can't enjoy being around people. Because there's a part of you that says, Pastor, you don't know how hard the storm is in my life. You don't know how I can't turn things around. And there's a part of me that's just given up. There's a part of me that just says, why try? Just let the storm take you and just wait for it to be all over. But I want to tell you this morning that there is a God that sees the storm that you're in right now. And right now you may feel like you can't turn your ship around and everything's coming up against you and you feel hopeless and lost with no direction. But God is not a liar. And God told Paul, you're going to make it to Rome. And even though it's going to be difficult, even though it's going to be a time of suffering, and you're going to go through some storms, God's word will always prove to be true. And if God says you're going to make it, believe you and me, you will make it. It doesn't matter how difficult it is. It doesn't matter what times we're living in. Right now, there's a God that says, I will finish what I've started. But Paul gets up because God tells him. Don't worry, Paul. You'll make it to Rome. Because I told you you would. Don't worry, Paul, because I know right now the storm is hard. It's been two weeks. But you're going to make it. Paul gets a little encouraged. And in verse 21, he says something that I don't think I would have said, but let's just put this into perspective. It's been two weeks. Tossed back and forth by this storm. No one had eaten for a long time. And I know some of you here if you didn't eat for a few hours, you turn to a monster. I don't want to be in a ship with mom when she's hungry. <laughs> it's been two weeks. The food is gone. It's most likely threw it overboard or ate it all. And no one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul got the crew together. He got the crew. Come on, crew. They're tired. They're hungry. They're discouraged. They're afraid. Hey, man, Paul. Paul wants us all to come together. This was crazy. This is a prison. Why are we? Let's just go. What do we have to lose? Okay, now he gets the crew together. Hey, crew. How's the crew doing? Crew, you good? 
And he said, men, here's the worst part. You should have listened to me in the first place. You should have listened to me. Think about it. As I read that, I thought about our church, our crew. I really did. I started. I was talking to Derek about this, right? I started thinking about our crew, our church. Let's just put this in perspective. I'm the pastor, so I'm the captain. And I'm on the wheel of this storm. So already, I imagine, in our crew, there's Cookie trying to take the wheel from me, saying, let me drive. You, David, I love you, my son-in-law, but you're too slow. Let me, I can get us through this. You know, Dad, he's part of their crew. And Dad is rigging the ship to stay afloat. Putting duct tape on something, making it float. I got this, we're still floating, I got it. I don't know how we're floating, but we're floating, leave it, don't touch it. You know, a part of our crew, we have Danny, we have Juan, and we have Jay. They're, they're fishing in the back. They don't even care about the storm. They're just saying, let's just fish, we're going to die anyway. We might as well fish. I imagine my mom. Telling Maria, I told you there's no more food. I told you we weren't going to have enough food. Right? I told you. I, but no, Maria, you wanted to pack line. Look, Anita, I told you. No one's eating. Everyone's hungry. We should have had more food. But here's my question. I know Maria and Jerrica are organizing the ship and cleaning it because it's tossing and turning. But my question is, who's the one that goes to our crew while we're discouraged? While we're tired and hungry and afraid and irritable? Who's the one part of our church crew that's going to come up and say, I told you so? I thought about three people. Who's the first one? Let's play this guy. I love this. Let's have fun. Who, who are you thinking of? Gito. That's the one I had on my list. The first one that's there, all serious. I told you. Well, you want me to help it? I mean, I told you. Who's the second one? I told. I said, follow us too. Follow us the one telling everyone. I told you that over here. Why don't you listen to me? Who's the third one? Stephanie. <laughs> she wouldn't have got on the boat. I told you so. Let me tell you, I'm the first one to grab Paola's arms. Who's going to grab her legs and let's just throw her overboard? Who's going to accidentally toss Gito overboard? And I don't know how Stephanie went missing. She must have fallen overboard. But just imagine, you get the crew together. You're tired. You're discouraged. You're hopeless. And Paul, the first thing he says, you should have listened. But you know, church, Paul's right. Verse 21, he says, no one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, man, you should have listened. You should have listened to me in the first place and not left the crew. Notice what Paul said after. 
you would have avoided all this damage in your life. Listen to that language. You could have avoided it. See, I understand that in life we go through difficulties. I understand that we go through trials and storms. But what about if you're going through storms in your life that could have been completely avoided? What if you're suffering damage to your life that could have been completely avoided? What if you lost some things that you didn't have to lose? See, what I love about Paul is he told it like it is. And he told these men that were in their selfish, stubborn pride saying we can do it, we can make it, and they ignored the warning. Paul said you should have listened. See, one of the ways you avoid unnecessary loss and damage and storms in your life is listen to godly advice. God will put people in your path like he did to these sailors who will tell you the truth, who will tell you when you're wrong, who will tell you to stop, who will tell you not him, not her, don't date them, don't marry her, don't take that offer, don't move here, don't buy this, don't do that. But it's your choice whether you're going to listen or not. They did not listen because they were prideful and stubborn. If we're honest with ourselves, a lot of the mess in your life, the damage you caused, the loss you have suffered, and the storm that you're in are not the devil, and it's not just life. But a lot of the storms in your life have been unnecessary storms you went through because of stubborn pride. By doing it your way. By not listening to the counsel of others. By thinking, you got this. I can make it. I'm an expert. I'm, an, I'm well advanced. I can do this. But they did not listen. And I wonder today if God has brought you to this church because you're not listening. And you're going on a dangerous course. And God is sending you people to tell you do not do this. Do not keep going. But you don't listen. My question, as I studied this passage, is why they didn't listen? Why didn't they listen? And here's why. Verse 12. It says, and because the harbor was not suitable to winter, the majority, say that with me, the majority, the majority advised to sail. You see, we have Paul here saying, the Holy Spirit told me there's a storm coming. You have to listen. Do not set sail. It's dangerous. You're going to get lost 
We're going to suffer loss. We're going to suffer damage. You're at risk and danger of losing the ship. Guys, let's just stay here. Do not go now. But the Bible says that the men listen to the majority. And can I tell you as a Christian, if you live your life by the majority, you will go under. As Christians, we are not called to follow the majority. Because even though we live in a culture where majority rules, sometimes majority is wrong. But see, sometimes when the majority is telling you to do something that goes against God, we're silent because we're afraid. We don't speak up. Or worse, we conform to be accepted to the majority. But what I love about Paul is even though the majority said, let's just go, let's just sail, we got this, we're going to make it, Paul knew that God told him, do not sail. And God told him, therefore Paul stood on the word of God and said, I don't care what the majority says. I don't care what the majority does. I know what God tells me. And here's the truth. As a Christian, don't be surprised that you're going to be the minority. And as a Christian, don't be surprised when they hate you for not being a part of the majority. As a Christian, we will be the minority. You will not be liked. You will be the minority as a Christian in your school. And you're going to have college professors preaching garbage to you. You're going to have students brainwashed. They're going to tell you there's no God. They're going to tell you to be atheist. The majority will not serve Christ, but be the minority that stands on the Word of God. There are people, you're going to be the minority at work. How many of you right now are the minority at work as a believer? And everyone you work with, they're not believers. So everyone, the majority, they're cursing, telling dirty jokes, going out for drinks. You're going to be the minority. But I pray that you don't fall victim to the majority like the sailors do. But like Paul, you have the boldness to stand on the word of God as a Christian who is the minority. You might even be the minority in your family. You might be the only believer this Christmas during Noche Buena at the table. And the majority of your family are going to get wasted and drunk. And the majority of your family are going to mock you for serving Christ. And the majority of your family are going to tell you, don't go to church, it's New Year's Eve. The majority of your family are not going to understand why you serve Christ. But I pray that you avoid unnecessary storms like Paul and stand on the word of God, even though you are the minority. Galatians 1.10 the Bible says Paul said this. Because I wonder why is it that Paul had the boldness to stand to sailors? He said, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of what? People. But God. Church, you're going to have to make a choice. Who are you living for? Are you living for the majority of people and their acceptance and their approval? Paul said, obviously I'm not. 
trying to win the approval of people. You'll be surprised how many Christians are trying to win the approval of non-believers, but it doesn't work because you're the minority. You're trying to win the approval of people or of God. And Paul says, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be a Christ bearer. Paul says you cannot serve Jesus and live your life to get everyone's approval. That's why I look up to people that stand alone because being a Christian means not only are you going to be the minority on the ship, but you're going to have to stand for the Lord alone. And I can only imagine what those sailors said. What do you know? You're just a preacher. We've been sailing our whole lives. You know nothing. They probably laughed at him. It's just a little wind, Paul. You're so scared. You're such a wind. I can't believe this is, why I'm not, this is why I'm not a Christian. Look at how weak they are. But when that storm hit, who do they go to? They went to the preacher. And that's why Paul said to them with boldness, you should have listened. But the problem was, you didn't listen to God. You listened to the majority. Folks, let me tell you throughout this Bible, I've read it through and through. Serving God means you'll be alone in the minority. Daniel was in the minority when the government issued a law that serving God was illegal. Could we enter such a time as that? Of course. As religious freedom is being questioned right now. But Daniel stood as a minority saying, I don't care what the majority says. I don't care what the majority believes. I don't care what the majority does. I'm going to stand where God alone, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to obey God, because I'm here to approve God. It's not about Abraham. Abraham, before he became the father of many nations and blessed, Abraham grew up in Ur of the Chaldeans, a very pagan tribe. His own father made idols and worshipped idols. Abraham was the only follower in the family. And God, he had an encounter with God. And God told him, leave your family. Leave earth and trust me. And he was in the minority. His family didn't understand because they were ungodly. And he tells his father, dad, I can't do this anymore. I'm serving God now. And his family left him and he followed God because he was in the minority. Think about Joshua when all of the Israelites were worshiping naked and having sexual intercourse, worshiping the calf. Joshua was in the minority. He was the only one that stood by the mountain trying to get as close to God as possible, away from everyone else. Don't you think people looked at him and laughed and mocked because he was the minority who did not indulge in sexual sin, but he stood there alone 
with his family because he had this model to live by. As for me and my household, we will serve God. I don't care what the majority says. I don't care what the majority does. I am the minority that worships the one living God. Noah was a minority. The whole world was inclined to wickedness. The odds were all against him. He was the only one in the world serving God. And that was enough for him to say, I don't care. I'm going to stay here alone serving and obeying God. Jochebed, who's that? Moses' mother. Who in the book of Hebrews, she's one of the people that the Bible calls the hero of faith. She was the minority in Egypt. She was the only mother with all the other mothers raising ungodly pagan Egyptian children. She was the minority that got together with Moses and deconstructed the majority of the garbage Moses was learning at school. She was an intensive mother. She was the minority, but she raised Moses in the ways of God. Think about blind Bartimaeus. He was a minority when the majority told him, stay, don't call on Jesus. He'll never heal you. He'll never fix you. You're going to be blind forever. The majority discouraged him. But as a minority, he still believed and said, I'm going to call on Jesus. I don't care what the majority says about me, what the majority believes about me. I am going to call on Jesus. What do all of these minorities have in common? God bless each and every one of them. All of them. Daniel was promoted. Abraham became the father of many nations. Joshua became the leader. Moses' mother became the nanny of all nannies and was in Egypt getting paid to raise her children. Noah's life was spared. Biomanus got healed. Why? Because when you stand with God as a minority, alone and rejected, God will honor you. Trying to live your life to win the approval of ungodly people will only get your ship wrecked. And I want to ask you this morning, where do you stand? Paul stood alone on that storm where the majority said, let's keep going. We got this. Maybe you're here this morning. You're saying, Pastor, the storms in my life are different. I've made bad choices. I've made mistakes. I've sinned. Listening to the majority. In my selfish pride, I thought I could make it. So I kept on. I've kept on my ways. I kept on my sin. I kept on doing what the majority did. And now I can't turn this life around. Maybe you're here and you've listened to the wrong people. You've made the wrong choices. And like these sailors, now you stand in a place where you feel hopeless, lost, like giving. 
I want to close with this. Verse 22 through 25. Yes, Paul said you should have listened. But you didn't. And church, I want to tell you this morning, the story doesn't end there. Can we praise God that the story doesn't end there? Doesn't end there. Because some of you think the ship is gone. The ship is going under. It's over. It's hopeless. Why? Well, because I didn't listen. I wish I would have listened, but I didn't. I went on. I made the wrong choices. I married the wrong man. I took the wrong job. I should have listened. Why didn't I listen? I listened to the majority. I was trying to win the approval of ungodly people versus God. And now my life is off course. I can't turn things around. My life is a mess. If that is you, you listen to me right now. It is not over because God that's so. Paul stands up in verse 22 to a bunch of crew members, the crew that's discouraged and tired and giving up and worn out and hungry and lost and broken and confused and hopeless. And Paul looks at them and says, you should have listened. And then asks them, Take courage. None of you will lose your heart. Even though the ship will go down. I love what Paul's being honest. He says, listen. Because of your selfish pride and choice, this ship is going down. But your life will not get lost. You know what God is saying there are consequences when you don't listen. You will lose things you didn't have to lose. You will suffer damage you didn't have to suffer. And the ship will go under because you refuse to listen to God. You kept on in your pride. But your life will remain. This is God's way of saying, though you suffer the consequences of your sin, I'm not done with you yet. Come on, church, praise Him for that. He says, I'm not done with you yet. That's why God can take a man like King David, a murderer, an adulterer, and he suffered the consequences of his sin, but never took his life because God was saying, I'm not done with you yet, David. That's why God can tell the story of the prodigal son who lost everything and suffered the consequences of not listening to his father, but he never lost his life because God is saying to you, prodigal, I am not done with you yet. No matter how far you've gone off course, no matter what you've lost and what you've damaged, God is not done with you yet. You will suffer great loss because there's a penalty for sin and disobedience. And Paul says this. This ship is going down. But you will not lose your lives even though the ship goes down. For last night, I love what Paul says here, last night, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the chaos, last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, he stood by me. 
Aren't you grateful for a God that says no matter how off course you've gone, I will stand by you no matter how difficult the storms become in your life. I will stand by you when you can't turn the ship around. I will stand by you when the stars are gone and the sun disappears and you have no direction. I will stand by you. And I'm preaching to those right now who feel lost and alone. God is standing by you right now. He's staying by you right now. And as a child of God, Paul with confidence said, I belong to God. When you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, you became God's property. The only reason I can tell you you're going to make it it's not because you're slick. Not because you're smart. Not because you're tough. Not because you're strong. But because we serve a God of mercy. We serve a God of grace who belongs. He says, you belong to me. And because you belong to me, I provide and take care of what's mine. That's why you can never be lost. It's never hopeless. You can turn to God right now. And say, Lord, I did not listen and I'm sorry. And the ship is going under. But Lord, I thank you that you stand by me. Last night, God sent an angel whom I belong, who I serve. And he stood by me. And he said, notice, don't be afraid. Paul. Paul was a prisoner in chains, in a storm. See, there's another person we haven't talked about today. Paul, who listened to God, who served Him, but he's suffering through this storm because of the consequences of someone else's ship. And I'm preaching to those men that your ship is going under because of someone else's selfishness because of someone else's choice, because someone else chose not to listen, and you are suffering the consequence. God stands by you too, and He says to you, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. For you will surely stand trial before Jesus says you will make it your own. What more? He said, God in His goodness has granted safety to everyone standing with you. You know what Paul says here? You know what God told me? Because I'm on this ship, all of you are going to be okay. That's how you know you belong to God. Because everywhere you go, people are going to be blessed by you. Everywhere you step foot, God's going to bless because you're there. You belong to God. And God says, we're going to make it. You're going to make it to Rome. And these men are going to make it because you're on this ship. They don't deserve it. But in my goodness, I'm going to give these men the opportunity to listen one more time. And wouldn't you know that Paul told you, what's more, God in His goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing. So take courage. He says it again. Take courage. We're going through the storm. The ship's falling apart. 
We're going to lose it. We're going to, it's going under. But Paul said it best for anyone going through it. This is what's going to save your life from anxiety, from fear, from worry, depression, guilt. He says, for I believe God. That's your choice. Are you going to believe the storm that you're in? Are you going to believe what the majority says? Are you going to believe your circumstances? Or are you going to choose to believe in God because of what He said? It will be just as He, what church? Said. And Paul teaches us that if you're going through storms in your life, and even if the choices you made are the reasons for that storm, God in His mercy and goodness will allow consequences, but He will finish what he started in your life. And Paul heard the voice of God through this angel say, you're going to make it because I said so. And I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but someone just needs to hear this. You're going to be okay because God said so. Stop looking at the majority the majority might say we're in a recession. The majority says job losses. The majority says this is the worst Christmas ever. The majority says we're going to lose our jobs. The majority says we're going to get sick. The majority says, listen, the majority is crazy. Sometimes the majority is wrong. But you know who's never wrong? It's the God that we serve. And if God said you're going to make it, believe me, church, no matter what storms you have to go through, no matter what difficult you have to fight, you will make it. Give them praise in this house today. You will make it. And Paul said it. I believe God. Who are you going to believe? The majority or God? And as I started thinking about this message in our church and our crew, I got a mental picture of what our church is going to look like in verse 44. This is what Forest Fellowship looks like to me. The others held on to planks, debris from the broken ship. The, the whole boat fell apart. They were all broken in pieces. And everyone grabbed a plank and everyone grabbed broken pieces and grabbed what they could and stayed afloat. And it was not pretty at all. But guess what church the Bible says? All of them held on to planks and debris from broken ships. So everyone escaped how? Safely to shore. Do you know that God said, not only are you going to make it, you're barely going to make it. You're going to be broken when you're making it. Some of you can say, man, how did I ever make it? Listen, it's because God is here. And that's what our church is going to look like in heaven. We're going to make it all messed up and broken, limping. Say, I don't know how we made How did you make it? I don't know how to do it. I grabbed the plank. What did you grab? I grabbed that board. I grabbed the cooler. Listen, when we make it, it's not going to be pretty. You're going to be tired, 
frustrated, grabbing on to broken on survival mode. How many of you realize that when these men were grabbing planks and grabbing boards and grabbing what they could, they were on survival mode? And sometimes when you're serving God, you feel like you're trying to make it. You're trying to survive. I'm just grabbing what I can, Lord, but I don't know how much more I can take. But God says, you're going to make it. You're going to make it because I said so. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be pretty. But you will make it because I said so. Who are you going to be? Let's all stand to our feet today. What a way to start our holidays, amen? Y'all thought I was going to preach on Christmas. Okay. How many right now with every head bow, every eye closed? We're going to ask all of us to pray. How many of you are grabbing planks right now? Broken pieces saying, Pastor, I'm just trying to make it. Trying to survive one day at a time. One month at a time. Some of you might be relating to the people on the planks driving the broken pieces of their life, broken pieces of their past, just trying to stay afloat. Sam, just trying to stay afloat. And it's hard. You're going to make it. Pastor, I can't turn the ship around. I should have listened. And I'm suffering for my choices. You're going to make it. But Pastor, I don't see the sun. I don't see the stars. I have no direction from God. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know either, but I'll tell you where you are going to go. Eventually, you're going to make it. But Pastor, the storms are difficult. Change is happening all around me. And I feel like I'm not going to make it. But God says it because I said it. You're going to make it. And some of you are now wondering, am I going to make it to next month, friends? Am I going to make it to next Christmas? Am I going to make it to see my grandkids get married? Am I going to make it to see my job flourish? Am I going to make it to see my brother and my sister come to Christ? Am I going to make it? Listen to me, church. You stand alone on the Word of God. And don't listen to the majority. Amen? Let's all pray today. If you're here today, The greatest peace you can have is knowing you belong to God. The only way you can belong to God is by asking the Lord to forgive you of your sins and surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Not everyone belongs to God. Only His children. And today I want to reach this invitation first and foremost to anyone who hasn't made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of their life. Maybe you're here today. Or maybe you're listening online and this is you today with every head bowed and every eye closed today. No one's moving around. Did you put that hand up where you're at? Say, Pastor, this is me. I want to receive Jesus. I will receive. And if you're here today, God bless you. I see you. And if you're here today, listening online, you pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life. 
take the wheel of my children. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. And be the Lord of my faith. In Jesus. And if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm a born-again believer. I'm a Christian. But my ship's falling apart. I should have listened, but I didn't. And it feels like I'm going under. I'm not going to ask you to come forward today. This is between you and God. This is a private prayer. But right now, wherever you are, whoever you are, would you just ask the Lord to forgive you for your stubborn pride? Admit to God, I should have listened to you. But I went on my way. And I'm suffering the damage. Would you tell the Lord the honest truth, Father, I can't turn the ship and it feels like I'm drifting away. And I'm just waiting for everything to go on. But thank Him. Dear Lord, I thank you that you stand by. That you finish what you start. It won't be easy trying to stay afloat. But in Jesus' name, you're going to move. You grab the hand of that person next to us. We pray as a church. We pray for our church. Father, I thank you for this message. Father, for years it feels like forward fellowship is fighting against the wind. I thank you for our crew members who have been faithful through the storm. And Father, sometimes it feels like this ship's going under. But Father, we stand on your word and believe you will finish what you started in this little church. So Father, I thank you for our church family. And I pray for those here today that are struggling to stay afloat. They have gone through storms that have left them broken. But I thank you, Jesus, that your word stands forever. And Father, through you and only you will we make it. Father, because of you, we have stayed afloat. Because of you, we've made it through COVID. Because of you, we've made it through churches and movings and from church to church building. Because of you, Father. Now, this Thanksgiving week, Father, I thank you for your goodness. Can we thank him for his goodness, church? And I pray that you give us encouragement and let us know it won't be easy. But we believe you, God. And we're going to make it. Now God's church said, amen. Come on, church. Give God some praise today. You guys can have a seat. Come on. You guys are an excellent crew. I love my crew. How many love your crew? 
Come on, huh? How many of you love your captain? You guys love your captain? All right. 